Hey everybody, today we're talking with Tom Fisher of Pebblebrook Hotel Trust. Pebblebrook's a publicly traded company with 54 gorgeous assets in primary high barrier to entry markets. Almost all their hotels were impacted by the pandemic. So we're gonna talk about closures, we're gonna talk about openings, we're gonna talk about his cash burn, and we're gonna talk about transactions, both pre and post COVID. Thanks for joining. Tom, thanks for coming. You're a good friend, a uh, good man for letting me put you through this uh, heat talks fiasco. I was uh, just looking at your stock price. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at your, uh, let's see what you're doing today. You're up today. Well, the market's up. Market. So. Yeah. I mean, that stock market's been tough to understand at least maybe I'm just an idiot and always behind no I mean it's just so forward-looking and I mean listen you know it's, it's going to continue to be volatile but it's um it's uh you know forward-looking the reopening you name it so it's uh people want to gravitate towards good news well I, I mean hopefully we're all generally positive people right just yeah and we want good news and we want what was the news today? Is steroid that's going to work? That's going to have some positive. Uh, I think I think the jump today is retail sales were up in May. Oh yeah, yeah, eighteen percent. Exactly. So I think that's what's what's doing some things, and I think the corporate uh, bond buying by the Fed yesterday. Oh yeah. You know, which kind of did a complete reversal. So never, never fight the Fed, right? Right. Exactly. The lessons exactly. we're all supposed to learn. Right. Well, it's nice to see you. Nice to see uh, Sarah and uh, and Mary. So thank you, guys. You're welcome. They're excited to have you here. We all are. Uh, the production team. Thanks for coming. <laughs> You're looking good, too. I like doing these calls. They're kind of entertaining to me. Taking on yeah. a life of their own. Uh, so how you doing? How's your family? You know, um, thankfully, everyone's good. You know, as you can see, I'm in Bethesda. You are. Uh, I'm in the office, and, and kind of the story behind that is I have three kids and three dogs, right? <laughs> so two kids are home from college. They completed their online courses, so it's summertime for them, kind of doing some virtual internships. I have a, My youngest is going to be a sophomore in high school. So when they all came back, my wife looked at the house and said, well, yeah. my oldest son is going to be here. My daughter's going to be here. My youngest son's going to be there. We've got the three dogs. There's no room for you. So I don't know how it works in your family, Teague, but I'm the last priority. And you know what? I'm fine with it, and it's the way it should be. But, but you know, times like this, you know, makes you kind of grateful. My father always said, you know, your true wealth is, is really defined by your family and your own health. And so thankfully, uh, really grateful to have those things in my life, and certainly gives you that perspective. Yeah, it's brought a lot back, uh, all of us. I joked I was an empty nester with my eighth grade daughter who, you know, didn't need her father. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's back and we're, you know, playing board games and, and yeah. backgammon and rummy cube and Yahtzee and all the classic stuff. Uno is popular in our house. Yeah, it's a solid one. We're yeah. playing every card game. There you go. Uh, well, I'm sure your family appreciates you, but they're happy that you're back in the office. Uh, how's the yeah, I, I'm known as the disruptor, so this gives me a sense of normalcy, so it's pretty good. 
Uh, that's exactly, yeah, they don't want you in, your, in their space. You're right. Like, get out. So, yeah, so how's the Pebble Book family? You know, we've been uh, very fortunate. Uh, the team, you know, I, basically, as I said, we're, you know, five of us come into the office, you know, pretty regularly. Um, I think, uh, you know, John, uh, John Bortz, our C, who's our CEO, he, he won the lottery this year by being also chairman of the American Hotel Lodging Association. So we've got a great pulse just in terms of what's happening politically, legislatively, uh, you name it, um, you know, and really applaud the efforts of Chip and Kevin and Brian and the whole AHL team, AHLA team. Um, everything from unemployment insurance for employees to the PPP um, to Safe Stay, which is the new guidelines in terms of cleaning protocols. You know, they're working on the CMBS. And I think it really goes to show you that, you know, engagement by the business community with your legislators is very, very important and, and quite frankly, makes a big difference. And then, you know, as it relates to the Pebblebrook team, it's, um, you know, we've been very adaptable. Um, the team's been great. I mean, everyone from our accounting team, asset management team, finance team, investment teams, our analysts, uh, very responsive. I think we're all in this together, just like as an industry, we're in this together. And, um, you know, couldn't be, couldn't be prouder in terms of the way we've been, uh, uh, been handling this and, and working with our operators. So uh, thankfully, everyone's healthy and everyone's good. So I, I will echo that we're at, uh, fortunate to have uh, uh, Chip and the AHNLA guys. We've been talking a lot lately, uh, and they've been instrumental fighting on behalf of the industry. So kudos and big thanks to them. Uh, kudos to John. If he's chairman, he means he's knee-deep in it uh, and having his uh, care of voice for all of us. So we appreciate that. Um, let's, let's back up. Let's start March. I'm going to give you guys credit. I mean, there was a shock to our industry. Uh, I'll give you guys credit. You were early to adapt to the, you know, complete evaporation of demand. Uh, tell me what steps you guys took early on. Yeah, well, you know, it kind of happened so fast, right? I mean, it was just one of these things where I remember going to a, a conference in uh, early March and there was all this talk about our conference is going to be canceled or not. Is it, you know, touch and go if even conferences were going to be held in the month of March? And was it kind of a quarter by quarter thing? um that we had to to assess and so we kind of looked at it you know our finance team you know kind of looked at you know our earnings model what were some of the assumptions that we had to make you know just as it relates to kind of the, the you know quarter over quarter over quarter and how long is this going to last and then i remember we had a um you know we, we kind of had a board meeting i think in mid-march and we were discussing with our board what's going to happen here and we just saw the evaporation of the demand and the word cash burn came out. And I think we all kind of knew, you know, things were going to be bad, but it was kind of the first time we really heard the phrase cash burn. And we bet we may be, we need to get on that. Right. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. so we quickly uh, assessed that kind of evaluated a number of the, you know, any assumptions you were, you were making were going to be wrong. So we were kind of very first uh, or very uh, focused in, in trying to be quick and efficient. Um, to minimize the cash burn, because at the end of the day and everything you hear, certainly with any company, certainly public companies, but even some of the private guys is, you know, what's your, what's your liquidity? Um, and so we, we took measures. I mean, you know, at, at, at the peak of this, um, uh, you know, we, we basically closed down 46 of our 54 
yeah. uh, hotels. And when I say closed down, we suspended operations. We kept the staff there to certainly secure and safeguard the asset. Um, so we really worked, and I, I really give a lot of credit to you know our 18 operating partners in terms of helping us facilitate that in an efficient manner. Uh, and then obviously focused on reducing the monthly operating expenses of the uh, of each of the properties. On the corporate side, we drew down our credit facility. Um, so you know, we, cash is king. Um, so certainly, we you know, at the end of the first quarter, we had over 740 million dollars of cash on hand. Uh, we uh, we reduced our common dividend to a penny a share. We reduced our capex spend. Reevaluated capex, postponed capex. Um, we looked at compensation. Um, uh, you know, the executive team and all throughout Pebble Brook. Uh, kind of a shared sacrifice. I mean, John, John forgo, you know, you know, isn't isn't earning a salary for the remainder of the year, and others took, uh, you know, some significant reductions, including our board of trustees, um, and then just kind of reevaluating, you know, all expenses, um, you know, as we kind of get through this, because it's not a question of if we get through this; it's a question when we get through it. So let's. God, so much I want to ask. Uh, let's go back to the cash burn. What are we burning today and how long do you think you can last? So when we looked at it, um, you know, and, and kind of did our, our initial models, it kind of worked out to about 25 to $30 million a month. Um, you know, on the hotel specific side, that kind of works out to about 15 to 18 million. And then you obviously have some G&A and, and some other corporate expenses that kind of get you to that 25 to 30. But I think as we kind of look at it, you know, from, you know, as I said, we had 46 hotels that we suspended operations. Um, we've been opening hotels since late May. Um, so I think hopefully, you know, right now we have 13 hotels uh, that are fully open. Um, I think by the end of May, uh, that will be 14, or I'm sorry, by the end of June, uh, that will be 14. And then, um, you know, we'll continue to look at some of the uh, sustained demand patterns that uh, in some of the respective markets to uh, decide to move, move that. So I think the initial calculation, 25 to 30 million, but I think with some of our resorts open and all eight of our resorts should be open by the end of June, we'll, uh, uh, we'll hopefully be able to work some of that down. So I think I want to ask, if you closed down 46 of 54 hotels, what were the eight that stayed open and why? Well, I mean, some of them had to deal with first responders. Some had to do with, um, uh, you know, uh, an airline crew, for example. Uh, some had some uh, sustained level of demand. Um, so different different reasons. I mean, some had some extended stay business. So a whole host of reasons. I think, um, you know, what we have seen in terms of some of the re and keep in mind though, you know. Some of the some of the closures or some of the suspension and operations were, you know, either state, city, or you know, county, you know, county, you know, driven uh, regulations. I mean, you look at we have two resorts in Key West, the southernmost in the marker, you know, Monroe County, you know, didn't open, you know, we weren't allowed to open until June one, so it became, you know, you know, those are the things that you had to kind of the headwinds you kind of had to face when I think that there was demand in the market because come June 1, we saw some very encouraging signs, not only there, but some, uh, some of the other markets where we're seeing some pent-up leisure demand. Yeah, so you think the resorts will open up and do you think that there is demand? You think they'll do well-ish? I mean, listen, I think we're, we're, we're encouraged by what we're seeing. And again, 
I think by by the end of June we'll have all of our you know all of our eight resorts open and and I think certainly we're seeing a lot of weekend demand. It's kind of one of those where you'll you'll continue to see I think increasing demand. People want to get out. Um, certainly in California, um, you know this last weekend was really kind of the first weekend where California opened up um, travel to non-essential personnel. Uh, so we saw some some encouraging results in terms of some of our resorts in uh, San Diego. Talk about the rest of the portfolio. I mean, you guys have a lot of really high-end, sort of upper upscale on the coasts, uh, major metros, sexy assets, sexy markets. Uh, what do you see those, when do you see that coming back? Well, I mean, I think you got to ask, you know, listen, I think resorts, it's going to follow the conventional wisdom, I think, of what people have kind of indicated, right? Leisure demand is going to come back first. We're seeing that already in terms of the eight resorts that I just mentioned. You know, then we'll have some, you know, then we'll have business travel come back. Um, and then we'll have the group demand. How long? I don't know. I think we're going to have to see what, what progress we make on the healthcare front in terms of either a vaccine or, or certainly an effective therapeutic um, that kind of gets us, gets us through this. I mean, I think it's one of those, certainly in the, uh, in, in the urban centers, we, we ask the question, you know, what's open? I mean, if you come, you know, can you go see, you know, if you come to DC, can you go see the Smithsonian? Can you go see, you know, the other attractions that are there? And then on the business travel, it's funny, we get asked that question a lot. Um, and certainly, um, you know, when John and Ray, our CFO, were, were working, you know, through our first quarter call with a number of the analysts, the questions, well, when's business travel going to come back? And we kind of looked at it and said, when are you going to be allowed, you know, first back into your office, you know, and, um, and then when is your company going to let you travel to a conference? And so I think that kind of puts it in perspective. Um, we do have some hotels that are open in some of the urban markets. We have a few hotels open in San Francisco, a hotel open in LA, and we'll continue to look at the bookings because we're taking bookings at each of these hotels. Um, and we'll continue to, you know, see what the sustained level of demand is. Um, and I think as the economy continues to open up, it's encouraging to see some of the TSA figures. Yeah. You know, I remember the date of April 14th. I think that kind of hit the, the low point of 87,000 travelers. Um, the last two days, um, including this morning, was, was well over 500,000. So you're still 80% off. But we've kind of, I think, set the bottom in, in mid-April, and we're making gradual improvement, but it will probably take some time. I think you're right. We're seeing the same numbers. Uh, tell me, what have you learned, do you think? This is an opinion question and way early, but what do you think you're learning about business travel or leisure travel, and therefore, how do you think that's going to impact your portfolio mindset going forward? You're going to change which, where you buy, what kind of hotels you buy? Uh, or you think you're going to stay steady? I mean, is there a fundamental shift in our industry? Well, I don't think that there's going to be a fundamental shift in our in our industry. I think, listen, if we get a vaccine um, and people get comfortable, I mean, we could get back. I mean, and it may just take a little longer than we think. I mean, we're social creatures. You know, we want to go meet. I mean, I'd rather be doing this in person, yeah. you know, even six feet away from you. You know, than through uh, you know through the through the Zoom call. So I think, listen, there's there. Anytime you get into a situation like this, 
there's always kind of that knee-jerk reaction that things have to change. I think anytime there's a crisis, uh, we tend to come out of it stronger. I think there's a lot more innovation. I think there's a lot more entrepreneurship. I think in terms of, you know, we're still believer in, in, in cities. Um, we're still believe, believers in, in, in business travel. People want to get out there. And I think, you know, given the hiatus in business travel, given the hiatus in, um, you know, weddings, right? I mean, you look at it, I mean, next year could be a banner year, you know, you're going to be doubling up in terms of all the weddings that were suspended uh, or, or delayed. Uh, for, for uh, So I, I think, you know, we'll continue to look at different markets. We're going to be opportunistically driven as we've always been. Um, cities have tend to have tended to outperform and I, I think we'll continue to evaluate that moving forward. Yeah, let me, uh, uh, maybe I'll do it this way. Part of why I'm asking, and I love having you on, you, you guys have always been, and you personally have been bold in your in the transactions world that you've done, right? I mean, out at 18, the acquisition of LaSalle, uh, that was really bold, right? Big move, uh, very impressive. Um, on the Dispo side, I don't know if it's better lucky than smart, but you sold two nice hotels, the Intercon in Buckhead and the Sofitel in D.C., uh, closing right before the crisis happened. So kudos to you. Any lessons you learned there? Well, <laughs> I mean, a lot of lessons, you know, timing's everything, right? So, I mean, listen, when, when we acquired LaSalle, there were a lot of strategic reasons, you know, in terms of why we thought it made sense uh, from there. And, and once we acquired LaSalle, we kind of put together a, um, a program in terms of how did we want to refine the portfolio? Um, and, and, you know, part of that was going through a strategic disposition plan. And so, you know, since the time we acquired LaSalle, we, uh, we, we have sold 15 assets, you know, just shy of $1.7 billion that consisted of, uh, 13 LaSalle legacy assets and two Pebblebrook. Um, I think we were pretty successful, you know, in terms of, of kind of using that, uh, paying down some debt as it relates to that. And then obviously, um, you know, I think the pricing came in pretty well. Um, you know, as you said, in terms of the Intercon and the Sofitel transaction, I think, listen, time means everything. I think it was very, we were very fortunate that that deal closed on, on I believe it was March 6th. And that's something that, um, you know, again, helped our liquidity position. Um, so, um, you know, timing is, you know, timing is important in these things and, you know, it's a relationship business and who you do business with is important as well. We very much agree with that. So keep going on those transactions. We got you, you under contract. You've got the union station, uh, Nashville under contract at the moment, post COVID. That's pretty impressive. Why'd you pick that hotel and what are you comfortable talking about that shared with us about that transaction? Yeah. Um, I can't go into too much detail, but what I'll say is, is, is we didn't pick any assets. So none of our assets, quite frankly, were on the market. Mm -hmm. um, but as you can imagine, the number of calls that, you know, yeah. John and, and Ray and I get um, and our team get just in terms of, you know, inbounds in terms of, would you have an interest? Um, you know, it's daily, it's weekly, it's, it, it, it's numerous. So when we looked at it, we kind of looked at it from the perspective of, uh, a group came to us. It was a group that we had not done business with, but a group that we knew of. Um, and they had looked at some of the publicly available information. 
uh, they basically said, we have a strategic need to be in Nashville. Um, and is that something, you know, at this price, would that be something that you'd consider? So, you know, John Ray and I kind of sat down, caucused. We went back to them and said, listen, at this price on these terms, you know, this is something that we'd be willing to, you know, kind of look at. But those terms were important. It's not all about price. You know, given the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic, we basically said we need a very short due diligence period. We need a significant deposit. We need to understand the financial wherewithal, given the fact that this is going to be an all equity transaction, all cash transaction, given the lack of debt availability in the market and just certainty from that perspective. So, so it's nice when you can create a win-win. Uh, they had a strategic need. We had, um, um, we thought it on a relative kind of basis, it kind of made sense for us. Um, and hopefully everything will, will go smoothly towards closing here, hopefully in the third quarter. Am I reading too much in uh, if I say that you don't like Nashville going negative, that you were strategically trying to make an exit of Nashville? Or am I reading too much into that? I think you're reading too much into that. I think when we, when we love the asset, I mean, you have 120 year, you yes. know, it's architectural gem. Um, yes, agreed. You know, it's a small asset for us. It's on the smaller side. It's only 125 rooms. So, and it was doing really well. Nashville, I think is, is still a significant growth market. You know, yeah, there's some supply concerns there, but it, it, the, it was just an opportunity that we looked at and said, you know, on a relative return basis, is there, is there something else we can do with this, you know, moving forward? And that's something, you know, that's the decision we made. That's what I thought. I, I agree with you, but I had to ask. We still like Nashville a lot too, but I yeah. had to make sure. Uh, let's keep talking transactions. I mean, I know I, I, part of it, I, I, I like talking with you. You're a former broker, so sitting in my chair. So what do you think how this transaction market looks like going forward? Well, I mean, listen, I, I think we're in the period of indigestion, right? So, I mean, there is a lot of distress, or I should say there, there, there's a lot of, talk and restructuring and forbearance and you name it there's a lot of people struggling out there um and there's a lot of people just questioning what is value and how do you value something so i think we're going to be in a period here for the next few months maybe till the, through the fourth quarter to try to understand you know what is value what is the transaction market is there a debt market to support transactions or is it going to be all equity and so Typically, when you have these things, you know, you, you know, you kind of look at maybe the private, you know, the private equity playbook, right, where, you know, the private, you know, you've seen some of the bigger private equity names invest in public securities, um, you know, and, and, you know, including us, um, you see, you know, a number of loan sales, um, either performing, non-performing, you know, as the lenders try to kind of clear what's happening as it relates to that. You look at the rescue capital and prefer, uh, preferred equity type deals that are in the marketplace. Um, so, you know, those kind of work their way and hopefully there'll be some markers as it relates to some data points for value. But then you kind of look at it from the bank side and the CMBS side. So you're going to have the bank REOs, you know, when the forbearance runs out, you know, the 90 day forbearance, do you give another 60 or 90 days or is there some type of restructuring? And then the CMBS, I think the last read I had is, you know, I think Trepid indicated that there are roughly 3,000 
CMBS loans backed by hotels, you know, totaling about $86 billion. So I know a lot of the special servicers are probably overwhelmed at this point. It's hard to get in touch with them. And as that works its way through the system, um, I think you'll see a lot more opportunity, but I think that's probably late this year and early next year. Um, so my sense is, although transaction activity is way, way down, you guys, you know, you and, and, and your colleagues will be extremely busy uh, here in the years to come, um, just like it was in the great financial crisis, coming out of the great financial crisis. Yeah, we're, uh, we're sort of ready for it, ready to get back to work and get going. We're, we're seeing, to echo, we're seeing the, you know, things you know, the, the assets that were candidly failing pre-COVID are the ones that are coming to market first. Yeah. And we're, we're starting to see the pickup of uh, BOV requests and, uh, and help from the servicers. So that wave is starting to come. They don't want to take the assets back, but they need to know data and what they have and right. what the options are and which ones were weak pre-COVID and which ones uh, are just impacted by the pandemic. So uh, all that dialogue's coming. So we know it trickles after that. So, you know, we're going to pick up. Yeah. I think, listen, I, I think it's going to be, um, again, I think you're going to be really busy. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of opportunity, uh, a lot of opportunity for you. And, and certainly we'd like to participate in that as well as, uh, as things unfold. I think you will. Again, it's relationship driven. Uh, it's opportunistic driven, right place, right time. Exactly. To your point, I think you got to have the right balance sheet. You got to be strong. Uh, maybe that's my question for you. When does debt come back? What do you see the debt markets coming back with any significance? Boy, that's a tough question. Um, that's a tough question. I mean, you know, how do you underwrite hotels? You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions, you know, how do you value hotels? Is it a per key valuation? Is it some type of discount to 19? You know, what are the operating protocols moving forward? You know, that impact the op, uh, impact the underwriting. So uh, listen, I, I think, you know, as things progress, hopefully from the bottom in mid-April and, and we continue to see improvement, we'll see. But I think any any type of debt in the near term is certainly going to be, um, you know, low, low leverage, um, depending on whatever that value might be, um, you know, significant spreads. And uh, we'll just have to see who kind of comes in and fills the void as, as you know, a number of the lenders, I think, will be on the sidelines dealing with their own issues. So I think it's going to be a little bit of time for the debt, uh, for the debt markets to come back. Yeah, we see, um, you know, there's not much debt out there and everything we're doing right now is all relationship based, to your point. So we got to stay close to each other. Everybody's got to stay close. You got to have a trust factor, right? If you oh, can yeah. trust you today to get to do what you say you're going to do and to be able to pull it off, um, you're all going to look bad, badly and we're all going to just waste time. So those relationships, whether it's with your banker, whether it's with your uh, broker, whether it's with your borrower, your franchisor, Hilton Marriott, all of those, you got to have those relationships today to get through this stuff. Yeah. And with your broker. And with your broker. Let's not, let's not, let's not ignore <laughs> that lovely brokers. Um, uh, Tom, you're a good friend. Uh, there was one more question I wanted to ask, but I can't remember uh, what it was. What, what, when do you think there is some kind of recovery in here? Do you think it's 36 months? Do you think it's shorter than that to get back to real rev par? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're looking. It's 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 going to be a little. 
it, it's going to be some period of time. Again, all of this with the caveat that, uh, you know, if there's a vaccine or if, again, an effective therapeutic, um, that may that may accelerate things. And we hope hopefully it will, uh, given all the clinical trials that are out there. So we're pretty, you know, encouraged by all of the clinical trials and everything that you kind of hear. Um, and certainly, you know, the stock market responds to that as well. Um, but I think, you know, barring some type of accelerate, accelerated, you know, vaccine or therapy, um, it could take a long time. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's, you know, four or five years to get back to, you know, back to that level. Yeah, we were running pretty hot. I mean, I hope we're not getting all too comfortable with the new norm. Uh, I, not being home, we got to get out, but we got to get on airplanes. Uh, we need our sports to come back. We're getting too comfortable not watching sports. Right. now. I, 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 hopefully again, hopefully again, uh, as we're experiencing with some of the leisure, you know, with the leisure travel, when you're allowed to kind of uh, be mobile again, people want to get out. And I think, you know, businesses want to get out. I think there's just a conservative approach, just given some of the uncertainty out there. Um, but but uh, I think where there's a will, there's a way, and, and eventually we'll get there. I think we will too. Maybe slower, maybe faster, fingers crossed. Uh, I hope I get to see you soon. I hope I get to see you at a conference. Yeah, so, I hope so too. I don't know when that's going to happen, but yeah. we'll see. But I think you're doing, I feel it. listen, I think you're doing a great job. I really enjoy these. Uh, thanks for having me on. You know what? Stay healthy, stay optimistic, and uh, we'll certainly be in touch. Same to you. Thanks, Tom. All right. All the best. Thank okay, you. Bye.